Welcome back into 1015 KOCI. Alex Crawford, Chris Baboni here joining us now. Gustavo, can you hear us? Gustavo Ariano from the LA Times hopping on the phone. Can you hear us, Gustavo? Hold on. We're trying to get Gustavo here. Um, I'm here. I'm here. There we go. Now we, we got go. you. Okay. This is our second show. So we are uh, we're working <laughs> out some. I'm a guinea pig. I love it. No, yeah. Well, so I, I produce and host the show. So sometimes my hands get a little full here in this little studio. One day I'll learn how to run. One day, yeah. yeah. I, I keep the other guy from learning so I can maintain my job. But Gustavo Ariano joining us now. Uh, one, I've been trying to get you, Gustavo, on my podcast, on this show, whatever. You're an extremely busy man, one of the hardest working riders in Southern California, a guy that I think knows more about Orange County than anyone. Um, um, and before we jump in, I want to talk to you about your article about Kobe Bryant. But I have a food question for you to start things off. What's up with Nashville hot chicken, man? Those things, those Nashville hot chicken restaurants are popping up faster than they were building hospitals in Wuhan. I mean, it's crazy. They're just being there. I was in downtown L.A. and there was like a makeshift restaurant that I feel like had just opened. And yeah, I went in and had some Nashville hot fried chicken. It was delicious. But what's up with this trend, man? Yeah, it's just like any trend. Something gets popular. Everyone starts copying each other. And then people start doing their takes on it. And then either in a couple of years, it's going to be part of the food lexicon or it's not. And this happens again and again. Uh, back in the 1980s, a big cool thing was putting, it was called the Southwestern Cuisine Movement. So you'd have all sorts of vaguely New Mexican dishes, but that thing just crashed and burned and no one even remembers about that anymore. Yeah, I was right born... Right now, it's natural hot chicken. Yeah, I was born in 1991 yeah, I and I don't, I don't remember the... Uh, I don't like fried food in general, but, you know, you're seeing Asian take, you're seeing uh, Middle Eastern take, you're seeing Mexican take, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember the Southwestern thing. Like, that was before my time, and you're right, it crashed and burned in no... You not born or a baby. Yeah, I was born in 91, so I must have just... I was born right at the end of it, huh? Yeah, yeah, you didn't miss much. <laughs> what do you think the next trend? Do you, do you ever make predictions like that? Do you ever think about that, like what's going to blow up next? Well, we're, we're kind of seeing it right now with the South. I mean, the fact that Nashville hot ticket, Nashville's obviously in Tennessee, which is in the South. And um, uh, here in Southern California, we, you know, we usually look towards Mexico and Asia for our food inspiration. But increasingly, you're seeing more and more people care about the South. So you've kind of seen this in the past with barbecue and definitely with bourbon, so those next you know, right now we're having Nashville hot chicken. So whatever the next trend is going to be in Southern California, it's probably going to be Southern. Right on. Well, I appreciate the uh, the insight there. Now, let's talk about your article. You wrote a piece for the LA Times back on January 27th titled, Kobe Bryant had a special kinship with Latino fans and culture. I thought it was a really unique take. It was a t- I mean, this is why I love your writing, because I think you write things that only you could write. And I read it, and I'm like, Thank yes, you. this is this is, this is is very real, and I would never would have thought of that. Um, so what, what inspired you to write that piece? Uh, just the reality of the situation. I uh, The people who are texting me like crazy – after Kobe, right, like right when TMZ hit it, and no one could quite possibly believe it, we're my cousin, my Mexican cousin. And then you start seeing uh, a lot of the fans who are LA Live who are going out there and openly weeping. A lot of them were Latinos, mostly men. And on top of that, you just have to realize, well, Kobe Bryant was married to a Mexican-American woman from Orange County. And let's not forget, at his final press conference, he specific, of course, he thanked all the fans, but he gave a specific shout-out to Latino fans who said they supported him from the beginning and they basically grew up together. And he was saying this in Spanish. So for me, of course, there's so many different angles to the life of Kobe, but that was one that I really wasn't seeing being covered. So that was the best one I could tell. 
Gustavo Ariano of the LA Times, OCC graduate. Gustavo, I want to make sure I mention that here on these hyperlocal Newport Beach Costa Mesa yeah. airwaves. Um, joining us here on 101.5 KOCI. Yeah, so hey, Gustavo, it's Chris. So Kobe, one of his favorite restaurants was the El Comino Real restaurant. He was fluent in Spanish, had a great respect for the Latino culture. But what I wanted to ask you about was how in your article you um, elaborated on how his lifestyle reflected that, like most of Latinos today, like the hardworking and dedicated um, attitude. So do you have any thoughts on how his, Kobe's attitude kind of influenced this generation of Latinos? Yeah, it was Mamba mentality. You know, Mamba mentality came from his, his own life. What he thought was what he needed to do the, uh, to become the best that he could possibly be. And what's interesting in, in doing my interview and talking to a lot of these fans, they said, yeah, like that sort of mentality, no excuses, work your ass off, grind. And even if you're at the top of your game, don't be content to do that. That's for a lot of these fans. They're like, that's that, that reminded us of our parents. That reminded us of our uncles. That's something that we were taught as specifically Mexican-Americans, uh, uh, a lifestyle or a work ethic to do. And that's not to say, of course, that uh, a lot of athletes don't have that mentality because, hey, if you're going to be, in the, if you're going to play professionally, you're going to have to work out and really have the work ethic like no other. But Kobe had such pride in talking about that, that, yeah, for a lot of Latinos, they're like, hey, Kobe's basically a Mexican in his work ethic. Kobe's a Mexican in also how much he cares for his family, how he puts the family above everything else. Even Kobe was a Catholic. You know, Kobe was Catholic, went to Our Lady Queen of Angels in Newport Beach, uh, took took communion the very morning that that a couple of hours later he would pass away. I mean, hey, if you want to play the game, sometimes you'd wear a mustache. That's pretty (laughs) (laughs) funny. No, for real. No, my... my, um it's cool being here in Newport Beach and uh, our studio here is in Costa Mesa, but just hearing some really personal stories from people in the wake of this tragedy. But a good friend of mine used to be an altar boy at Our Lady Queen of Angels. He said the first day he was an altar boy, he was super nervous. Uh, he walked in. Kobe was sitting in the back. I guess he'd usually sit in the back there. Um, and he walked down the aisle visibly nervous when he was like, you know, nine or ten. And Kobe gave him a fist bump and said, hey, good job. And like wow. I mean, he, wow. he, he tweeted that out, um, you know, the day after the tragedy. And I was like, man, it's like it's those little stories like that that are that are just it, it sucks that sometimes it takes a tragedy to bring them out. But it is so cool to hear those yeah. stories. And I think it speaks volumes to just Kobe's character, how he could influence so many different people, so many cultures, just being himself, being that guy that everyone looks up to. I mean, it's special. He was a special guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you look at his fan base. I mean, he was the biggest basketball star in China. They loved him again for just that work ethic, uh, you know. Even though he was so high and mighty, he nevertheless was always there with the people. I remember when I was at our OC Weekly, we did an entire cover story, and all it was was people's interactions with Kobe here in Newport, you know, in, or- in all of Orange County. Yeah. He liked to go see movies uh, in the early days, the AMC 30 at the block. Uh, he would, you know, his other favorite Mexican restaurant besides the Camino Real Fullerton, he liked to go to Javier's right there in mm-hmm. Cove. You know, there was, uh, you know, the, the day before he passed away, he was walking with his youngest, not the baby, but the second youngest daughter at Fashion Island in Newport Beach. I mean, this is a guy who, even though, yeah, he lived in his gated community, but a gated house behind a gated community, but he was far, he was out there far more than most of the star. I mean, the only other person who probably had so many interactions with just regular folks would be Bill Murray, but, you know, for Bill Murray, it's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. And I think just for people who met him, like, in this community, too, like, everyone says they have their story of how they met Kobe, and it only took 
one interaction they like were sold on him that and that was basically Kobe's personality just you meet him and he's just wow this is like a real guy very authentic and it shows with how everyone reacted to his death honestly yeah totally yeah so Gustavo you had a uh, a sentence that you wrote that I, I don't actually have a question for. I just think it's a really great sentence that really sums up Kobe Bryant and is something that me, like as a Southern Californian, I strive for this. Like this is the Southern California dream. You wrote together, the two, Kobe and his wife, embodied the thoroughly modern Southern California couple, multicultural, multilingual, aware of what they represented and unashamed to express it. What a great sentence and what a great summary of Kobe Bryant. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. It's the truth that, uh, you know, it's, it, it was a sad story to write, but it was an easy story to write because it was all in front of us, all of us, even if some of us maybe weren't aware of it. But no, I got a lot of good feedback from folks. And people really touched by it. You know, I got another question, Gustavo, and this one, I, I, uh, I just want to throw this in here, and I don't, I haven't fully articulated this thought yet, but you are the guy that I want to talk to about this. So I was having a conversation with the Newport Harbor High School lacrosse coach, and he was telling me he really, he really wants to figure out how to get more Latino youth participation in sports that they, I guess, wouldn't normally participate in. Now, Newport Harbor High School has a reputation of being a pretty white, homogenous high school, which is not the case. It's like, yeah, it's 50 oh, yeah, not at all. Know, yeah. yeah, but people, people, I guess, just nationally, you know, when I lived up in Portland, people are like, oh, you're from, oh, the OC, Newport Beach, you know, Newport Harbor, whatever. So, but I was talking to him about that, and I thought that was a really, he's like, I, this is a goal of mine as the coach. Like, lacrosse is typically uh, a cost-prohibitive sport, so you don't see a lot of, like, lower socioeconomic students playing lacrosse. You know, you see that in hockey. You see that with baseball now. But he's like, my goal is really to engage just, just a bigger segment of the Latino population here at Newport Harbor. It would do wonders for athletics programs. If we got, you know, the Latino youth to participate in more than just uh, track, cross country and soccer, which are the sports that they mostly do. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that, uh, that kind of, uh, um, I guess, an idea or a, or a theory. You got to start them young. I mean, I, it's funny you mentioned that because the other day I was driving through Seacrestrom High School and I was down here in Santana mm -hmm. and they have a lacrosse team now. And wow. you know, that, that school is like 90 percent Latino. So Latinos definitely will or, you know, youth high schoolers, they'll definitely play a sport if they see something for them in it one way or another, uh, you know, but if you don't know the sport, why are you going to play a sport that you don't know? It's like you asking me, hey, you want to play cricket right now? I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know what cricket is. I mean, I obviously know what the sport, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any investment in it for me to want to play. On the other hand, if you say, hey, let's go play baseball or uh, basketball, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, you know, I suck, but sure, let's <laughs> try to at all. So I think it starts young, it, it, specifically for Newport Harbor, you know, being part of Newport Mesa Unified School District, is start getting teams in eighth grade, start teaching people in elementary school. Him, him as the coach, you should go out there and lecture during PE classes to schools. Hey, kids, this is lacrosse. This is what you're going to do. You're going to be at Newport Harbor one day, and there could be a spot on the team if you start training young and that you have the talent and the grit to be able to do it. You will have a team. And the fact that, yeah, it is cost prohibitive for some folks, well, if the Harbor, Newport Harbor teacher really cares about it, that's where he gets. I mean, heaven knows there's a lot of nonprofits that go to Mason Newport Beach that can start something to help uh, young Latinos get into that. So by the time they're a freshman at Newport Harbor High, at least they have it in their mind like, hey, I could do this too. No, I think that, I mean, it sounds so simple now that you said that, but like, yeah, that, that is the answer is, is participation at the youth level. And that's just, I mean, that's true, not just of lacrosse, but any sport. And I just, and I do think, and that's something I want to, 
continue to discuss on this show is I do think it's interesting just I guess culturally here Newport Harbor Newport Harbor is where I went to high school and then Chris here is actually a current student yeah. right you're senior yeah. Newport Harbor Chris yeah so we're cool. uh, we're both tied into that and yeah good for Chris getting on the airwaves while you're in high school I'm so jealous man like I wish <laughs> I had this up- here man I know right like Damn, that's good. Um, but I just think it's a discussion I want to continue to have, and maybe we can, um, I can give it more thought, and we could have you in here and dive in deeper on it. But I do think it's just, it's just something very interesting to me because I, I did cross country and track in high school, and and we, we had a decent number of Latino kids that did it, and then sometimes there'd be kids that maybe were a sophomore, junior that then just decided to to start, or, or a friend brought them, and they were really good, and, and like not to stereotype, but they had that work ethic that a lot of kids didn't have, you know, that Mamba mentality, like we just talked about, like the Mexican kids would routinely outwork the white kids in cross country and track. And I'm like, man, imagine how good this athletics program would be if more coaches could get this participation. Exposure. Yeah. yeah. I want to, so I just want to keep this conversation going and I appreciate you weighing in on it. All right, well, well, that does it uh, with Gustavo, OCC's finest Anaheim High School grad and now a features writer for the LA Times. You can find him on Twitter. By the way, Gustavo, you're on Twitter at Gustavo Arellano. Did I say your last name correctly? Yeah, yeah, just all one word, no hyphen. No hyphen. Gustavo Arellano. But you're, but you're going by Colonel Gustavo now. What's the story behind <laughs> that? What's, I was curious. I actually really wanted to ask you about that, too. Uh, maybe next time, but yeah, I'm a I'm as much a colonel as Colonel Sanders of KFC. I am a bona fide Kentucky colonel. Well, there you go, awesome <laughs> Colonel Gustavo Arellano joining us here on KOCI to talk about an awesome piece he had about Kobe Bryant. I will tweet it out. Thank you, Gustavo. We'll do yeah, this again thank sometime. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Take care.